We are on Ksubis Yud Gimel Amad Aleph 13a2, beginning a new Mishnah, 13a2 in the Art School Gemara. And we are beginning a new Mishnah. This Mishnah um, somewhat connects to the previous Mishnahs, but we're, not, we're no longer discussing a Ksuba. We are no longer discussing monetary issues. Uh, we ha- we're having a, it's a very fascinating discussion uh, about the status of either an Isha. A woman, um, with regards to her status and whether or not she's allowed to marry a Kohen based on something she did, uh, and also potentially the status of her child. Let's say she has a child, and also how does that impact her child? So what am I talking about exactly? Uh, So we're going to be discussing two cases in the Mishnah. The second case is a lot clearer than the first case, although we'll see that uh, how you understand the first case will also impact the second case. Uh, but essentially, let's just read the first line. Uh, the Mishnah says, Ra'u'a medabaris im echad. What happens in the following situation? You have a unmarried single girl. Um, right? Uh, a woman, an adult, who is literally says is speaking with someone. Now, the Gemara will explain, we're not talking about she's speaking with a man. She It means either one of the following. Either it means that she had yichud, she was secluded with a man um, in a locked room where nobody else could go. Um, And therefore there's concern that she had sexual relations. We don't know with certainty, but there's concern that she had sexual relations with that man. Alternatively, it's a case where we actually know. We know. The other opinion says that the case is that we know for sure that she had sexual relations with somebody. We just don't know who that person is. So in both cases, according to both opinions, we don't know who the person is. We know that either she was secluded with somebody or she actually had sexual relations with somebody. Uh, and we ask her, what, who was this person? Why do we care? Why do we have to know who this person is? The, you know, you can claim it's not, none of our business. The answer is, it is our business. Why? Because depending on who this person was, that would impact her status vis-a-vis getting married to a Cohen. We know that... Um, uh, there are only uh, there are limitations in terms of who a Kohen can marry. A Kohen cannot marry uh, somebody who was had previous had a previous relationship in a relationship which she was not allowed to be a part of. That she was not that was uh, that was a prohibition. If she had sexual relations with somebody that she's not allowed to be with, so then she's now moving forward, not allowed to marry a Kohen. So she's with this person and. Either we know that she has sexual relations or we know that she was secluded. That Those are two different opinions as to what the case is exactly. And the, com- and the commentators point out that if it's the opinion that says that she has sexual relations, the reason why he says that is because if it was seclusion alone, that opinion says that that isn't uh, sufficient reason for us to be concerned. That uh, Because no matter what she said, could've, she, she could have just responded by saying nothing happened between the two of us. And so then there's no concern whatsoever. Um, so, uh, but the other opinion says that no, even seclusion alone would be would be a reason for concern. And so, what happens? So they a- they ask her, what what's the who is this person? So she responds back, ish ploni v'chalinu. She responds back by saying, basically, doesn't even though the, the actual language is that he was a Cohen, it doesn't really mean that he was a Cohen. It means that, um, it means that it, I, I was with somebody who that was permissible to be with. There was no prohibition, even though I'm single. Uh, there might be a rabbinic prohibition, 
but in terms of a biblical prohibition, there's no there's no biblical prohibition. It was completely fine. It was um, it wasn't with a mamzer. It wasn't with a non-Jew. It wasn't with uh, anybody. It wasn't with a relative. It wasn't with somebody that I wasn't allowed to be with. It was somebody that, on a biblical level, was fine. It could be on a rabbinic level because she wasn't married that it was a problem. But in terms of uh, whether or not she's allowed to marry a Kohen, so there is no problem. That was that was her response. So the the question becomes: Are we allowed to trust her or not? Could we trust her? Obviously, this impacts her directly. So could we trust her? So Omrim. Say moving on to thirteen eighty three in the art scroll that she is in fact believed that we do believe her and Rabbi Shua Omer lo mipia nuchayin el areizu becheskas beulo lanasim lamamzer ad shetevi raya lidvareha Rabbi Yeshua says no we we do not believe her we do not believe her and therefore until she brings proof otherwise we will not believe her and we will uh, basically say that that uh, it, there's concern not that we know with certainty obviously but there's concern. That she had sexual relations with somebody that, on a biblical level, there was a prohibition, and therefore she cannot marry a Kohen. Now, the reason for Rabbi Yeshua is based, as we're going to see in the Gemara, and according to many commentators, is based on the principle of Maila Asabiyachsin. That when it comes to marrying a Kohen, we have much, much higher standards in terms of uh, proof that's necessary and trusting people. We have very, very high standards when it comes to marrying a Kohen. And so Rabbi Yeshua says that we will not be able to trust her based on this. We cannot trust her based on this. Uh, we, if you know, either whether it's a case whether she was secluded with somebody or whether she actually had sexual relations with somebody, and so therefore she cannot marry a Kohen. Um, Rabbi Gamliel argues. Rabbi Gamliel argues and says that no, we could trust her. Why could we trust her? So there are various reasons that we have to take into account as to why we could trust her. Uh, the reason why this is mentioned in this entire topic is because, first of all, she's the Bari. She's, she's the one that knows. She's the one that knows with certainty. Um, we're the court. We don't know. We're the Shema. Perhaps there's an issue here. She says there is no issue here. Beyond that, uh, she has a Cheskas Kashrus. She has, there's a concept of the Chazaka that we've been discussing until now. The status quo is that she's a good person. And she's a, a law-abiding Jew. And she's following the rules. Uh, so therefore, we should assume that she's continuing to follow the rules, that there's nothing wrong here, in, at least on a biblical level, in terms of what she's doing. Um, and so therefore, we should assume that she was with somebody that was uh, it was permissible to be with on a biblical level. Um, and those are various reasons as to why as to why we should believe her. The second case of the Mishnah is as follows. Haisim Mubaris, the case is where we find her a single woman who is pregnant. So we find out that she's pregnant. And what do they say? Amrullah Mativo Shal what is the status of the child? Now we will see in the Gemara that the question is really if you are of the opinion that the first case is a case of just yichud, of being secluded. The second case is really about her. It's not about the child. It's really about her. Um, and it's a case where we know for sure that she had sexual relations because she's pregnant. Uh, but according to the other opinion that says, no, the first case is for sure where we already know that she had sexual relations. We just don't know who the person is. And the second case is where, where she's pregnant. The, the, what's going on in the second case, the, it's a new case because we're discussing the child. And she responds back, Why the child? Because uh, it's possible that the child could also, if she had, um, if she had uh, sexual relations with somebody that she wasn't allowed to have sexual relations with, 
if it's very severe, so then you, you get deal with mamzer issues, with uh, the child being a mamzer and can't even marry a regular Jew. But that's not what we're discussing here. We're discussing even if it's of a lower level, even if it's a lower level um, prohibition, on a, but it's a biblical prohibition, so then the child cannot marry a Kohen. So what she did definitely impacts the child. Just like when it comes to a mamzer, what she does impacts the child, uh, so too um, what she does here also impacts the child. Now why that is, it's... Uh, important uh, hashkafic Jewish uh, thought question about why it is that her actions impact children. But it's really a broader question because we know that uh, many actions that parents do impact children um, and what they do while they are pregnant also impact children. So it's, it's really a bro- it's an important question but a broader question. But either way, uh, she is saying that she was with somebody who was kosher, who was, it was fine to be with on a biblical level. And therefore, the child is also fine. Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Eliezer, Omrim, Nehmanes. Again, Rabbi Gamliel says that she's believed. Rabbi Shua, Omer, Lo mipiyan nuchayin ala reizu bechasas mubares, lenasin lamamzer, achetavi rayla devera. Rabbi Shua again says that no, we have a higher level when it comes to Kohen. We cannot, we cannot trust her. That is the Mishnah. Okay. Let us begin uh, the Gemara. We'll begin part of the Gemara. And we'll see these two different opinions play out in the Gemara. My Midaberis asks the Gemara. Again, the first column 13a3. What does it mean, Midaberis, in the first case that she's speaking? It cannot mean just that she's speaking, obviously. What's the case? Two opinions. Ziiri Amar Nistarovasi Amar Nivala. Ziiri says it's where she was secluded with him. Ravasi says that we know that she had sexual relations with him. In both cases, we don't know who the him is. That's what we're asking her. So Bishlam Ziiri says the Gemara Hainu Dikadani Midaberis, Ravasi, my Midaberis. I understand according to Ziiri, it says, use the language of she was speaking because it just really just means secluded. So speaking and secluded, it's, uh, you could, you could see the connection. But according to Ravasi, who says that they actually had sexual relations, why does it say that they were speaking? Say what it was. So the Gemara says, no, Lishnim Alia. It's, uh, it's, the, the, the Gemara wants to use a clean language. Um, so we want to use, we want to use clean language. And in fact, uh, uh, there are some opinions that say that the reason why Hebrew is referred to as Lashon HaKodesh, as the holy language, is because when it comes to various acts of uh, privacy, of, uh, of acts that uh, we don't want to, we, we don't want to talk about directly, the, the Torah doesn't need, the Hebrew, Lashon HaKodesh, the Hebrew language, the biblical Hebrew language, does not even have a word for it. It does not have a, 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 a specific word for it. For example, sexual relations is lavo. It just means to come, to enter. And so they, they, it's, a, it's a clean language. What it means that it's a holy language means that it's a clean language. And so, so too over here, when it says speaking, it really means sexual relations. The Gemara continues. Bishlam I understand according to Ziri. I understand the difference between the two cases of the Mishnah. One is a case of where she's secluded. The other case is where we know she had sexual relations because she's pregnant. But according to Ravasi, it's the same exact case. So this is what we, we explained in the Mishnah already. The Gemara answers, moving on to 13.84. One, the first case is a question about her status. The second case is a question of the child's status. Why would you think that there's a difference between the child's status and her status? So that is a very important question. Um, one approach one approach, there could be other approaches as well, but one approach is that the reason why we actually believe her is because of the concept of status quo, of the chazaka. The chazaka that she has, that she has a chazaka, she has a status quo of doing the right thing. So we'd assume here too that she's doing the right thing. But could 
It's an open question. Could her status quo impact somebody else, i.e. her child? Could her status quo, her chazaka of kashras, her status quo that she's doing the right thing, maybe that can only impact her. Maybe that won't impact the child. It really relates to a, a broader question, which we don't have time for, which is this concept of status quo. Is it there to explain the situation, to define, to tell us what happened? In which case, it should also help for the child, to telling us what happened. Or is it really just a tool that we use to say, you know what, we don't know what's going on, but it's a tool that we use that will just go based on status quo because we don't know. We don't know, but we have to do something. And so therefore, it's just a way of us deciding uh, by, by going based on status quo, but it's not really t- explaining the situation. If it's just based on deciding, so then you could say this, this helps us decide for the mother, but the status of the child might be different. It won't help be able to help us to impact the child. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, I understand, Rav Asi makes a lot of sense to say that the second case is talking about the child, only if you're of the opinion that the status of the mother could in fact impact the status of the child. Because Rav Gamliel says, that the, uh, if that's the explanation of the Mishnah, that the child is also kosher, could also marry a Kohen. But if you're of the opinion who says that the status of the mother is different from the status of the child, so then how could you say that in the Mishnah? How could Rabbi Gamliel still say that the child is kosher? So the Gemara answers, well, <laughs> we know what Ravasi holds. Ravasi, Savar, Kaman, Must be that this opinion, who says that the first case is dealing with her, and the second case is dealing with the child, is of the opinion that the status of the mother could, in fact, impact the status of the child. And so therefore, uh, Rabbi Gamliel could say that the child is also kosher, because the status of the, of the mother impacts the status of the child. Fine. The Gemara now continues with analyzing Ziri and Rav Asi. Again, Ziri says that the first case is where she's secluded. Second case is where we know she had sexual relations because she's pregnant. Rav Asi says that the first case is where we're, both cases are where she had sexual relations. We know she had sexual relations. The first case is that we're trying to figure out her status. The second case is we're trying to figure out the child's status. So Amalei Rav Papa Labai. Rav Papa says Labai. According to Ziri, who says that they were secluded, the Amr Rabbi Yeshua Alomahemna and Rabbi Yeshua says that if they're just secluded, we have to be very concerned and say that she cannot marry a Kohen. How do you fit that with what Rav says? But Rav says, Rav says a very important line that if somebody is secluded, there's a prohibition to be for a man and a woman who are not allowed to have, if they're not married to each other, to have, to, to have, to be secluded with each other. They're not allowed to be secluded with each other. If they are, if you have a man and woman who are secluded with each other, number one, they get lashes. They get, on a rabbinic level, they have a punishment of lashes, uh, not necessarily because they had sexual relations, but because just being in that situation itself could lead and um, has has concern that it will lead to sexual relations. However, Rav also says that we do not prohibit uh, her to her husband. We do not assume to, to, that they had sexual relations to the degree that we'll say, oh, you have to get divorced. We know that if she commits adultery, they have to get divorced. We don't assume that if it was just seclusion. So where is Ziri coming from? It must be that he disagrees with this opinion. It must be that the, that he disagrees with this opinion of Rav. Are we saying that there's this dispute here between Rabbi Yeshua, at least according to Ziri, Rabbi Yeshua and Rav as to, as to how much we'll be concerned uh, that they had sexual relations when they were secluded or not? 
So the Gemara answer is no. Afilu Tamer Rabbi Yeshua. No, this is the Eri's case. Our Mishnah's case is very different than a married than a case of, of a marriage. My in Our case, we're discussing a case of a, of a single girl and about her future potential relationship with a Kohen. With a Kohen, when it comes to Kohanim, we have higher standards. Higher standards when it comes to marrying a Kohen. A Kohen is the is the tribe of, of Kahuna, of the priests. It's a higher standard. And that only in that case do we have higher standards. But if it was just a case of a, of a regular marriage, we're not going to say that they have to get divorced, that, that we actually will go to the point where we'll say that we know that they had, that there was adultery here. No, we're not going to go that far. Rabbi Yeshua also won't go that far. The only reason why he says his opinion in the Mishnah is specifically because we're discussing Kohanim. And Kohanim are different. Okay. Let's see a little bit more in the Gemara. The Gemara now wants to bring a proof against Rav Asi. So Mesave, they bring a challenge from the following Brisa. The Brisa, which is from the time period of the Mishnah, says as follows: So we have a Brisa. Moving on to Yud Gimel Amabez 13b1 in the article of the Gemara. Case number one is where we saw her go with a man. We don't know who the person is into a secluded area, or to um, a ruined place. And Rashi explains that this ruined place, it's, it's not really uh, a place where people can live, so it must be, it's, it's a place where pe- basically uh, people go to specifically uh, for znus, for uh, immoral sexual behavior. Um, so she goes into one of these two places, either, either a place of seclusion or this ruin. So the, the same back and forth. Basically, the whole back and forth of our Mishnah. Rabbi Gamliel says we believe her. Rabbi Shua says we don't believe her. But the cases of these two cases. So, I understand according to Ziri. We have two cases. What are these two cases? One is a case of seclusion. The other is a case of where, you know, we're almost 100% certain that they had sexual relations because they're going to a place where it's a place known for um, immoral sexual behavior. So, El Ravasi, Dhamma Nivala, Tartilamali. But according to Ravasi, who explains the mission of that, that both are cases of where they had sexual relations, why do we have to have these two cases of one is where they go into seclusion and the other case is a case where they go into this uh, this place which is known for immoral sexual behavior? Why do I need to have both cases? So, the, according to Ravasi, so the Gemara answer is no. Chadekatani. It really means a secluded. It's really one. It's really talking about one case. One case of where they were secluded in this in this place where where people go to for immoral sexual activity. The Gemara says, "Wait a minute! You can't say that. Can't, you can't give that answer." The Bryce says two places. The Bryce says two places. According to Ziri, I understand two places. One is seclusion, and one is because they for sure had sexual relations. But according to Ravasi, that's not the case of the Mishnah. Why two places? So very important next few lines of the Gemara. He says, Rav Asi will respond back, fascinating idea. He says that these two places are trying to reflect what type of population do we have here? Meaning, one is that it's it's in a seclu- it's a it's a it's in a ruin within the city, and one is in the field. When we're talking about in the city, you could say, "Well, wait a minute, maybe we should do as follows." We know that there's a halachic principle called a rove that we should go based on the statistical majority. So why don't we say as follows: In the city, most people 
are allowed to be with her. We're allowed to be with, uh, from a biblical level with this single girl. So therefore we should say that she's kosher. We should apply the principle of, of using the statistical majority. But you could also make the argument to say, well, if when she's in the field and most people who are in the field are, are disqualified to her, they're not allowed to be with her. So then we should be stringent. Why don't we, why don't we draw those conclusions? So the Gemara says that no. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Shua ignore the principle of Rove. They ignore the principle of a statistical majority. They ignore it. Um, why do they ignore it is a very, very important question. But they, they do. They ignore this principle of following a majority here. That regardless of whether the majority are kosher, could be with her, or whether they're puzzle, they cannot be with her, does not make a difference. Rabbi is saying we do not follow the statistical majority. Why not? Why don't we follow the majority? So perhaps one suggestion, one quick suggestion, and with this we'll conclude and continue with the Gemara in the next recording. Uh, perhaps we do not follow a majority in the following scenario. What does it mean that we follow majority? When we, whenever we follow majority, it's uh, because, uh, let's say, especially in this case, we have all these people in the town. She could have had sexual relations with any of them. We don't know. So we generally follow the majority because the majority has an actual impact on what ended up happening. Because it could be one in whatever it is, one in uh, I don't know, thirty-five or a hundred, however many uh, people there are in the town. Um, so, for example, if you're discussing pieces of meat, we know somebody ate a piece of meat. We don't know if it's kosher, if it's not kosher, but we knew that there were ten pieces of meat present. Nine of them were kosher, so you could say he picked one of those ten. We don't know which one he picked, so you could go based on the majority. In this case, you can't go based on the majority. Why not? Because she. <coughs> There's a concept that when she's having sexual relations, she's not she's not just picking one of, of a thousand. It's not how things work. She wants she's interested in a specific guy. She she wants that specific guy, and so she's making an active decision to say I want that guy. So once it's I'm making an active decision to say I want that guy, everybody else becomes irrelevant. So we don't the fact that. Um, 500 out of the 600 people in this town are kosher, it doesn't make a difference because she is making an active decision to pick one of those 600. Just one of those 600. So it could be from the other 100 who are disqualified. The, the statistics do not play a factor here because she is making an active decision and she's not just saying, I'm going to pick some random guy. Then you can go based on majority. But if she's not saying, I can go based on some random guy, she's saying, I can, I'm actively picking because I like that guy. So then the majority doesn't make a difference because she doesn't like the majority. She just likes that one particular person. Um, so that's one argument that you can make. Either way, uh, that concludes this discussion and we will continue on with this uh, very important discussion in the next recording.